Hello and welcome to the Amaze podcast, where we talk to businesses large and small, experts in subjects across the spectrum of business, entrepreneurialism, tech, innovation, investment and finance. I'm Jake Shaw, your host. If you'd like to learn more about Amaze, please go to www.amaze.com. Hello, everybody. I am joined by Daryl Bannon, and today I'm going to talk to Daryl about starting businesses in the luxury sector. Good afternoon, Daryl. Hello, Jake. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, luxury. Traditionally speaking, luxury is a kind of fluid thing. It's not something you can nail down directly. Luxury that was around in the sort of 1800s is going to be different to luxury now. So, when you look even back at something as simple as video recorders, so back in the 80s, only very wealthy people had video recorders. But then, of course, as the cost per unit came down, everyone had a video recorder. Same with the iPhones. You know, when they first came out, they were really seen as a luxury item. But because of the way phone contracts have been created and the hype and the buzz, it's almost a kind of a, a almost like a white good now to have an iPhone because it is so, so attainable for the regular consumer. And obviously, we're talking from a Western point of view. There's a kind of a degree of context to where you are in the world, your social strata and your position. I want to set up a luxury business. What do I need to do? We have more billionaires on this planet today than we did 100 years ago. You really have to be thinking about your price points. Once you go into luxury, your margins are 2,000, 3,000%. You're buying the label, the rarity of having that. The design has to be good. Obviously, the quality has to be good. What's on top of that? How you actually reach the customer. So you're going to have a luxury concession in Harrods. It's all about the subtleties of branding. It shouldn't be just splashed all over the place. You also need to think about how you're going to target that customer, where you're going to find them. This is probably the best time to start a luxury brand. How do you create a product or a brand? Do you just do limited editions? How? For some people, there's a speculation element of, well, actually, I could buy a luxury good. It might have a value in the future or these more specialist items, they become collector's items. So you may pay 200 grand for that car, but actually you may find in 10 years time that might appreciate. And considering some countries are now looking to do negative bank interest, that would push a lot of people to think, well, actually, I'd rather have an object I can look at and play with and have than just pay the bank's negative interest. Do you think that luxury in the future is going to have to be much more surreptitious because it's going to be about personalization, personal experience? I remember once being somewhere where people were talking about how they all been to base camp at Mount Everest. If what Elon Musk was doing with getting us into space, I'm going very aspirational here, but that's the sort of way we are going that people almost want to travel beyond the earth because there's very few places left on the planet. And it's absolutely that. To go to your point, so you're going for quality, rarity, an experiential piece. How to put it politely. You know, if I see someone walking down the street with a Gucci T-shirt, I'm a bit, it's 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 trying to smack as if you have money, but you don't actually have money. Uh, you know, you could have, you obviously afford to pay for that item, but what's to say about you as a person? So there's a guy called Olgavi. He's a psychiatrist. He talks about um, the, the kind of the ideal self and the and the actual self and the buying process. And a guy called Belk who talks a lot about our attachment theory. So I, when I did my master's. I did it in digital innovation within fashion retail. So I talked about how consumers look at objects and and the psychology behind that so you may aspire to want to buy in a marnie suit but you can't afford to do that so what's the next best thing the logo t-shirt for 300 pounds that might be a huge amount of money for you in comparison to your wages but you're happy to spend a year saving up a pound a week that's you kind of projecting what your ideal self would be but the reality is if you actually have an marnie suit no one's going to know about it because there's no label apart from inside but it's the cut 
I remember I had a, I had a handbag, I won't mention the label, but I had a woman, an American, stop me, go, oh, you have that brand of bag. I went, oh, yes. And she just kind of looked at me. She kind of gave me that knowing smile of, ah, okay, I got you. And it was just that, it was the acknowledgement of knowing I had what I had. And I didn't spend a ridiculous amount of money on it, but it was still, it was that kind of unknown luxury item. And it was that kind of nice feeling of, she knew too and it was it that was kind of i didn't need to scream the the label to people of what it was uh the bag has now become the actual items become a lot more well known and too many influencers are, are wearing it now so it's kind of t- it's for me it's dulled the appeal of that bag so i actually don't want to use it as much because i'm like and that's what i think is important if you are going to be doing a luxury brand really be conscious about what that brand will say to your customer and how that customer can be made feel like it's special. So again, it could be down to this experiential thing of they get that item, but after two years, they can swap it out for something else. So any item you buy, you have a pair of shoes I have, and they tell you, when you once you pay for them, oh, and you can bring them back whenever you want for repair for the, for the rest of your life. You're like, really? Fantastic. I've had items that I've had for 15 years. I send them in for service every five, six years because, you know, a loop will go in the bag. I know for life I will have that item service for free and there's something nice about that. I was told this story that there was a very famous, if you've ever been to Vienna, there's all the cafes. There's one particular one that I think is at the park. It was a very famous haunt of philosophers and writers and there was one particular philosopher would walk in, sit down at one of the tables or be shown to a table and he would open a book and one of the one of the younger new members of staff had seen this chap sit down and went to the maitre d and uh, said oh, this gentleman's just coming he's not he's not ordered anything he's not and the maitre d said sir will have nothing and i thought that was absolutely brilliant they'd identified this man's wishes and supplied it and there wasn't actually a transaction to be had but they tolerated it could be that once someone buys that item of clothing they know they get invited to previews for anyone else you know you know you can go to these fancy events so if you spend enough coin so i think it's something that like christian dior used to do and all that back in the 50s and 60s there's a wonderful documentary where this is american socialite she never actually traveled to paris for the shows because it just wasn't possible especially in the 1950s but what she would do is they would send her these packs of these lovely boxes and there'd be all the different designs with all the different fabrics samples and that, that was how she bought her clothing from them um, and then she showed the wardrobe she actually had which was immense I mean she must have spent millions with them over the years but it's that how you can bring your service to the customer as well so you know you can have a lady in Saudi Arabia who will never have to leave the comfort of her compound because you as the provider whether it's food or or a, a, an item of jewelry or it doesn't matter what it is you will package that and give her that bespoke feeling that she doesn't have to leave her home. It could be that you send a concierge person. So it could be a man or a woman who will actually talk through the collection, you know, do the tailoring, do the... Also, you do see quite a lot of personal shoppers who are now that more elevated sense. You have more concierge businesses out there. I think I saw recently there's now this concierge service for private jets. So you don't have to buy a private jet anymore, but you obviously must be of a certain net income to be able to be part of a subscription scheme whereby you pay X amount a month and that gives you access to a jet to use um, and you can kind of flight share, shall we say. So all that kind of stuff going on as well. Uh, and the other thing I would say is not just events, but it's it's the perks, you know, is it that you invite your, your top five spenders to a beautiful dinner somewhere once a year or a weekend retreat or a spa treatment, whatever it is, and it's almost like a networking event for very high net worth individuals. It's that whole thing of maybe you will see some brands, that's why they use a lot of celebrities in their advertising, because it's that kind of thing of, oh, if Scarlett Johansson's going to wear that, I want to wear it too. Or 
you know, it, it, it could be that you will find certain restaurants will have certain people come in. So this whole influencer, uh, new industry, which influencers is roughly around 10 billion a year industry. So you will have these people who are literally paid by a brand just sit in their hotel or just take pictures in the hotel because it just attracts a, a range of customers that they would never reach before. So there is, is that, that kind of aspect of, yes, um, just having pe- just people themselves being part of the experience. Daryl Bannon, that has been terribly, terribly interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this, please go to www.amaze.com and don't forget to like and share this podcast.